0: Tucked into the nearly 1,800 pages that is the 2020 Defense Authorization Bill are several provisions that you might have overlooked. Admit it, you haven't read the document that, if printed, would weigh about eight pounds. Well, most of the people who voted for it didn't read it either, probably. Federal News Network's executive editor, Jason Miller, asked several federal experts for some help in finding IT and cyber provisions that might have flown under your radar. In his weekly feature, The Reporter's Notebook, Jason writes about a few of them, and he joins me now in studio. And Jason, the Military Cyber Advisors is a provision you uncovered. Tell us about that one.
1: Tom, that's on Section 905. So we're going to go section by section here. So hopefully people have a good, strong cup of coffee and are ready to go. But this is Section 905 and was pointed out by Major General Dennis Crawl, the Senior Military Advisor for Cyber Policy in the Defense Department's CIO office. And he says about the NDA, he told a group of FC ANOVA. Uh, attendees at a recent lunch I was at, read the NDAA, which made me laugh a little knowing that it was almost 1,800 pages. Now, he says Section 905 is very important because basically what Congress is doing is saying to each military service, you need a principal cyber advisor. Now, what this person will do, there's, he said there's some specific tasks that Congress outlines and some implied tasks that each of the military services will kind of define on their own. But he goes, this is what we do know. They will be the belly button that you push to know what's going on in cyber across the entire department or entire service. In this case, this is not going to be in in the CIO's office. This will not be in the weapon system office. This will not be in the acquisition office. This will be a person that will have the kind of connection between CIO, between weapons, between back office functions, between budget, between everything. And that, that's a very key role and one that already exists in, in the Office of the Secretary of Defense, That he, the role he plays. Yeah,
0: it's kind of a logical outgrowth of the general concern on cyber and the supply chain and in the department's own systems themselves anyhow.
1: I think you're absolutely right because what is happening is as cyber becomes more important to each of these individual functions, it would be easy to see these individual Agency individual, you know, offices setting up a cyber office, or 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 bringing in cyber tools, or requesting a cyber budget, and what Congress is saying to DoD in this case is have one person who oversees this and and decides how adequate the budget requests are. Now, what does that mean? What what is adequate. That's something each military service or DoD at large will define. But basically, if if this person says, based on this definition, it's not adequate, they will report to Congress to say, this program, this project, this initiative is not adequately budgeting for cybersecurity. And that's a big change.
0: All right. So something you have to read in provision 905. And what about the return of the lead systems integrators?
1: Wow. You remember that from the 2000s? I sure do. Yes. Not a popular topic these days, but... Unless uh,
0: you're a systems integrator. Well,
1: Unless if you are one. So you should turn to section 128 of your of your of your NDA and find that- 128,
0: the, not 1028.
1: 128, Okay. Right? Early on. This is under a provision around the Navy buying a new strategic sea lift fleet vessel. Now, when my source pointed this out, I was like, well, we really don't cover sea lift vessels. And they said, no, no, no. This is an acquisition provision. And that's why you dig deeper. And basically what Congress is telling the Navy is, we want a new vessel by 2026 but it's not so much that we want it by then. It's how you're going to do it. And the provision basically tells the Navy to, to potentially return to these days of the LSI, lead system integrator, which just in case people don't remember, it's a concept that really where the government gives the contractor broad responsibilities to do everything from developing requirements to source selection to construction to testing and validation. And in the provision in the NDA, it says the secretary of the Navy may seek to enter into a contract or other agreement with the private sector – which the entity may act as the executive agent for the secretary for the purposes of the contract. Now, there's more to it, but that gives you enough to understand of of how much leeway the Navy, or in this case, Congress wants the Navy to give the contractor. This goes into some challenges, Tom, too. What is inherently governmental, what is not? And the other question that this brings up is why go back to the LSI concept anyways we know there's been some big debacles over the years, two of them that come to mind, the Army Future Combat System and the Coast Guard's Deep Water program. Those are two obvious ones that leaves us maybe scratching our heads a little bit.
0: We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. There's also a checkered history of lead systems integrators in the civilian sector too. The IRS had them for one of its modernization drives. And it was very, very expensive, and they didn't quite ever get what they really wanted completely.
1: Definitely a checkered history over the years and and something the government has gotten away from. And, in fact, if you've seen the Coast Guard for the the example here, they took on the LSI role eventually and said, no, we're not going to give it to the contractor. We're going to do it and then manage the development of this deep water program. So you're absolutely right that there's not something that's been successful. So it's interesting to why they would – Congress would call it back out now. Maybe this has something to do with how you buy ships, anyways, or, or buy vessels. But it's un- But it's still it, it, again, it's a head scratcher.
0: Interesting. And then there are deadlines for cyber certification. What provision is that in? What section?
1: So we got to turn your page all the way to the back of the NGA sixteen forty eight on this one, Tom. Now. What's interesting about this, Tom, is not that we haven't talked about the cybersecurity maturity model certification, the CMMC. This has been in the news industry and and DOD has had many conversation about it. What was pointed out to me, and this is from Gordon Bitko, who's now the senior vice president for policy public sector for the IT industry council. Mm -hmm. He used to be the FBI, CIO, remember him? Mm -hmm. Gordon went over there just recently and he goes, what is interesting to him and what really people should pay attention to is the, the deadlines and how quick they're coming. By February 1st, DoD has to develop a consistent, comprehensive framework that, that basically is calling on the CMMC.
0: This February
1: 1st. This February. A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. And then by early March, they have to brief the Congress on that framework. So there's not a lot of time for industry to have input. Now, DoD will say, and I think agreeable, industry has had input over the last you know, six, eight months. Right. But what Gordon Bitco has told me from ITI is how much that input is DoD taking – and how what are they creating a, a certification that's going to be so far down the road that by the time they do take in industry's comments and really listen to industry, it's going to be too too big to to change. So I think there's a lot of concern about the impact that the the, the CMMC and the tight deadlines are going to have on this uh, uh, on, on the industry more generally. And I think that's why he's pointing this out as one of those provisions. That you may know it's coming, but how quick it's going to come is is what's interesting.
0: All right. So from the 100s to the 1600s in provisions in the NDAA for 2020, there's things you need to know about. And also, Jason, while we have you briefly, you wrote about a new trusted Internet Connection 3.0. That's also been of great interest to the cyber community on both sides, industry and government.
1: This is something that the Homeland Security Department put out toward the end of December. So I think people may have maybe overlooked it or hasn't really spent a lot of time looking at the... The four, five, six documents that that DoD, the DHS put out in draft, and these include, you know, use cases, security capabilities handbook, overlays for industry. DHS did a really nice job from everyone I've talked to about really putting out a lot of information and a lot of good information that is really kind of point trying to point this idea of tick, which was initially. 10 years ago, sure. 12 years ago, put to, put out to reduce the number of internet connections agency had. And reduced, now they want more. Reduce the tax service. Well, with cloud, right. they're saying that this was stopping the ability to move the cloud. So they're trying to ease that. A couple of things that stand out to me that, that I just want to highlight and, and highlight in my story is, first of all, what industry told me was the changes that DHS is outlining in the draft documents that people can still comment on is the beginning of the end for the Einstein program. Now, Tom, Einstein was pushed out by DHS back in 2004. It's an intrusion detection, intrusion prevention set of tools. And it's not so much that Einstein isn't any good. Now, there are some people who tell you that it it never did enough or never met up to, lived up to its billing. But what TIG 3.0 is really doing is saying the current use of Einstein, the current approach to Einstein is going to end as we know it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's
0: also big news.
1: It's also big news, right. And now it's not going to end tomorrow. It's not going to end next month. But the light, if you will, the, the time you turn off the switch is, is – people see it. The other thing that this TIC 3.0 is doing is really taking agencies toward that zero-trust mentality, that assume-breach mentality – and I think that's also an important change. Instead of trying to protect everything, they're saying, you're not going to be able to protect anything, so how do you protect what's most important to you and work out, which is both the mantra that OMB has been pushing for the last year and a half or two around high-value assets. So All there's right. a lot in there.
0: Yeah, okay. And that's not in the NDAA, but that's just happening out there.
1: Not in the NDAA, this is, but but it's out there. You can comment on it through the end of January.
0: That's the NDAA 2021. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. My pleasure, Tom. Check out his notebook. It's now online at federal News